everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I am your host, Brandon, here with Paul. Yo, yo, what's up, people? Um, we're here again for another episode. Uh, once again, thank you guys for joining us, for being part of the crew, joining us on the journey. Um, you know, we're going to get it. Uh, let's get it. And we got Dan. Hi there. I have just to clarify, I was wrong from the end of last week's episode on calling uh, what the vampire was going to be, so you can admonish <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was really surprised about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I said vampiric. I said vampiric, aka vampire. I'm a vampire immediately thinking it's going to be like actual vampire. Um, yeah. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, what we get into later on. Yeah. So, yeah, we are dealing with season two, episode 13 called Obsession. Uh, the original air date was December 15th, 1967. Uh, our Twitter is at WWST underscore podcast. And after we finish this one, we are finally halfway through season two. <laughs> We've been doing this for like more than half a year for this season yeah, so for real. far. With everything going on, though, it's been a long, long journey, but I've been enjoying it. Speaking of things going on, we have more overtime next week. So <laughs> I guess this this coming weekend. So we won't be recording again for that week. Boo. Yeah, I was really hoping we could get out like at least three in a row. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this episode begins with Kirk and Spock. They're on a planet, and they're looking at a big old shiny rock, like a sparkly rock. And Spock says that it is pure tritanium. Uh, Kirk says that it's 20 times as hard as diamond, and Spock corrects him and says it is actually 21.4 times as hard. And that's the kind of friend you want to smack. Be like, really, dude? Yeah. Like, oh, you owe me 34 cents. No, 34 cents. And you're like, man, I was, man, shut up. Do you think that Spock like reads about this stuff right before they go just so that he has the knowledge? Because there's no way he knows all of this just offhand. Like, he, um, there's no way. Yeah, he knows. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, like, does he get into the archives and read about that, this shit? Oh, he, he reads or whatever? He, he's an archive man before he goes down. He He's reading up on all the planet's history. Yeah, he well, it's not that he cares about it. He just wants to correct Kirk all day. Like, he's just, he's that guy. <laughs> he's, that, he's that annoying friend and wants to <laughs> that's annoy you to death. Yeah, he's got to know everything. So Kirk, he calls up Scotty, tells him to uh, have Starfleet or tell Starfleet that he recommends that they dispatch a survey vessel to the area immediately. And uh, he and Scotty, uh, they're just kind of talking over the the comms. And you see like this really weird smoke kind of start to go towards uh, Spock and Kirk. So uh, Spock says, he's like, hey, we can't break this rock. Uh, There's no way we're going to be able to destroy this. And then he takes his phaser and he shoots off a small piece of it to take back with them, which seemed pretty damn easy to break to me. Okay. (laughs) And that's is my first issue. I was like, well, it's 20 times harder than diamonds. So um, that was kind of easy. Uh, 21.4 times. Oh, yeah, my bad. It, you know, yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of easy. I, I thought I was interesting myself that happened that way. And don't forget from the very first episode of the pilot, they had trouble getting through, or what they thought getting through the rock when they were, you know, beaming it with the spaceship. Like, what, was that even harder than that? Yeah, yeah. I want to see that big, the big laser that they brought out for that. I want them to bring oh, that oh, back. Oh, yeah. Out. I forgot about the big like laser. laser cannon. Oh, yeah. From the alien planet way early in the first season where they had to hook it up and hit the, we got all the little flashing lights. They, they should have used that, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. But wasn't that the pilot episode? Yeah, it was the pilot. Okay, that was, a, okay, that was Pike Screw. Okay. Yeah. So the, uh, the weird smoke, it starts to retreat after Spock shoots off a piece of that rock. And Kirk, pull, uh, he picks up the broken piece with a pair of clamps that he gets from Leslie, one of the three red shirts that's down there with he, him. He so. doesn't no want to touch it for some odd reason. Well, I mean, like, I guess that's, you know, you don't want to just go handling weird stuff, right? So, yeah, like, good for him but, for actually using uh, correct safety protocol Yeah, but they don't have gloves once. on, though. 
So what's the difference? No. Well, and then part two, I, I, everybody with red shirt. I like red shirt dead. By the way, I put, I, my notes say everybody red shirt's dying right now. I never seen yeah. this many guys in a red shirt at the same time. But like, yeah, they're all dead. I said that immediately. Yeah. I I, I want to. It's kind of weird with the rock though. Like, what is this uranium? If it is uranium, like type, like why are they not treating it like a biohazard? Like, oh, tongs will work. <laughs> and why did they just shoot it? <laughs> just shoot it. Get dust in the air and get tongs. Yeah. Uh, so Kirk hands the rock off to Spock, and uh, he notes that he smells a sweet honey-like odor, and he says that it reminds him of something from another planet years ago. And Spock should look. Oh, I put something on for you. I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> yeah, fart in the wind. Just, yeah. Do you, do you, do you like it. my new deodorant? Yeah. Uh, so Spock thinks that it could be one of the many pollen aromas that are on the planet, and Kirk calls over. I, it's his name is spelled Rizzo, but I think they say like Rizzo the whole time. So. He calls over Rizzo, one of the security guys, and tells him to take the other security members and sweep the perimeter and scan for dichronium in the atmosphere. And he tells them to set their phasers on disruptor B. So now we have more phaser modes. Like, how many phaser modes do we have with this? Oh, yeah, good point. You know, they, they got the newest upgrade, so... Yeah, phaser two, right? I, n- I, never, know what, uh, I never know what they say half the time. I'm just like, I, I, I'll just go with it. So I didn't even notice they said something about the new, new phaser mode. Yeah, they got, like... Disruptor A, Disruptor B, like what we have, stun, stun. A and yeah, B. Yeah, they got a stun. Like, kill, kill one and kill two. I don't know what the difference would be. And then they have, obviously, there's like vibrate mode and silent for if you don't want your notifications. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk tells them to open fire immediately if they see any gaseous clouds. And then uh, he just puts them on red alert. So shouldn't they just be like shooting into the sky all the time? Just like there's, there's clouds <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> We're surrounded. <laughs> Uh, so they leave, and Scotty calls back to see if they're ready to beam back aboard the Enterprise, but Kirk is not ready yet, and Scotty says that they are expected to rendezvous with the USS Yorktown in less than eight hours, and Kirk tells him to just continue standing by and then just hangs up on him. So Spock, uh, he informs Kirk that dichronium only exists in lab experiments, and Kirk just starts sniffing around like a dog, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) he says that the smell is gone, and that maybe he was wrong about it. And he says the last time he caught an odor like that was 11 years ago. Man, that must be very unique. Like, I mean, I guess he has a, a bad memory with it. So, like, you know, like, people have things where uh, memories, uh, smells bring up bad memories for some people. Yeah. So, like, I mean, he, so this must have been, like, an, a life-altering experience for him. And that's, that's I immediately say, I want the backstory of this. this. But, like, want, he, in 11 years, he hasn't smelled anything that smells like honey? <laughs> I, well, honey's a rare. Oh yeah, good point. Rare commodity in uh, the future. Maybe yeah, honey's rare space. back then. Yeah, the space bees are dying out. So. <laughs> I just, I really want that backstory. And sorry, as soon as you said space bees, my my mind jumped a Futurama episode. Yes, yep. When Bender does the bee dance. Yeah. Uh, so elsewhere, the security team are tracking their dichronium reading on a tricorder, but they seem to have lost the trail, and the smoke starts to creep up behind them. Uh, as the one guy continues scanning, and he notes that uh, it seems like they're chasing something that's changing itself into something different. And then the uh, the smoke envelops two of the guards and basically chokes them to death. And we get this really weird like overlay that looks like they just filmed a couple of sparklers, like Fourth of July sparklers, and just you know shoved them over the screen. So um, there was an episode where we're on a planet, and uh, and uh, the guy remember the the guy was in love with the little smoke thing. Yeah, and, yes. and he said they yeah. meditate with it. It's almost like the same kind of effect where he was like, "Yeah, 
And while we're annoyed at that time that they used the cloud thing and they used the cloud thing for this. And I swear the whole time I thought, oh, it's going to be a cloud, but it's going to turn into a person like every other Dracula. That's what I thought too. Ever been. I did too. I was like, oh, it's a cloud. I was like, oh, it's Dracula because he turns to a cloud and turns to a bat and like he does all like cool stuff. And I thought, oh, that, this, this might be really cool. But it never turned. And I thought, it's very weird. It yeah. never turned to a, 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 like an actual thing. And that's kind of my issue with this episode that goes along where like I felt the threat. But like I didn't feel the threat sometimes because it was like yeah like it's a cloud yeah it's a cloud so like, like I had to really wrap my, my brain or like I kept saying poisonous gas poisonous gas in my head like to try to get my brain to to realize okay it's poisonous gas it's not just a cloud like I couldn't figure like my brain yeah. had a hard time registering that like it was really a real threat but just like suck it up with a shop vac you know <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. you're good. Uh, so Rizzo calls Kirk to warn him about the cloud, uh, but he also starts to choke to death as Kirk commands him to start firing immediately, which, why didn't he fire? Like, dude, why did he call Kirk? Kirk dude, told him to shoot. Like, yes. that's your one yeah. order. All three guys got the command. <laughs> what do I do? Shoot immediately, and they all deserve to die. Yeah. Like, and that's our, our issue with red shirts. We've we've had two seasons of red shirts, and 99.9% of them are incompetent, irrelevant, and they get on my nerves. And they're supposed to be security. <laughs> Like I, I believe these uh, red shirts are the version of star uh, stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah. And when they shoot, they don't hit shit. No, yeah, if they, if they do shoot, they don't hit shit, and they're just incompetent. Dude, it drives me. It drives me crazy because, like, especially this one particular time. Because if like if they would have shot and he would have dodged it and killed them, I'd be like, oh, okay, they shot. But they didn't shoot immediately, and that really kind of like security, man. No, security he just calls is- Kirk. He's like, uh, hey, that thing you told me to shoot at. Uh, it's coming right. Yeah. What, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's killing people. It's kill- what, what should I do? Yeah. Yeah. So Kirk and Spock run towards the security team, but when they arrive, uh, the team is dead and pale. And uh, Kirk says that they're gonna find every that every red corpuscle is gone from the security team's bodies. So Spock acro- approaches uh, Ritzo to find that he's actually alive, but just barely. So Kirk calls to have him get beamed back up to the ship, and Spock asks Kirk, he's like, "Hey, do you know what that was?" And Kirk says that it's something that can't possibly exist. Which kind of annoyed me because of all the stuff that they've seen so far from Gary Mitchells to salt vampires <laughs> to the, the clouds that interact Wait. with humans. Like, oh, yeah, you draw the, the line here? Yeah, the one uh, sentient cloud was fine, but this one can't possibly exist. If you if you listeners could hit, see me right now, look on my face, it's agreeing with these guys with dumb fountainness. <laughs> like, this is utterly ridiculous because it's like, so a little bit later on, I'm skipping ahead for a second, a little bit later on, like Spock and um, the Bones are having a conversation with him, like not believing him. It's like, yo, yeah. y'all have seen so much stuff in space. We've Specifically seen aliens, a we've seen cloud. creatures, <laughs> we've seen roaches, we've seen hands grab come from the sky. We've seen all exactly. this stuff out here and you can't take Kurt's word like, yo, listen, 11 years ago, I was on a planet some weird stuff popped off. I smelled this weird smell. This guy kill, gas killed a bunch of people. Like, like, oh, you know what, Kurt? Yeah, I believe you, bro. What, what are we doing? Like, they spent half the episode arguing to believe yeah. him. It's look, like, look, space vampires are out of the question, apparently. Yeah, I just we got godlike creatures. We got all this stuff, but I just it took like I, it annoyed me that they didn't believe him immediately. Like they, they literally jumped to a multiverse. <laughs> yeah, they went through time. Yeah. Like they didn't yeah, believe immediately. Yeah, I just, they went back in time yeah, several they, times. That's what I'm saying. But they could not believe this cloud, this this dust cloud, could be actually be an actual person. When they, even they, when I mentioned earlier with the guy with the whole cloud and uh, next to each other when he's uh, yeah. calling in or whatever, they've been to that part too. So they've even see, they've even seen clouds that are sentient already. Yeah, like it don't make any sense. Like it just. 
for for an episode that I, I kind of enjoyed, I just I had these little nitpicky things like that were kind of annoying. So that's one of the things that got me. Just yo, you know, believe him. I, yeah. I I'm with you on that, Paul. I, I was just like, okay, this is kind of dumb. Like they're drawing the line here. Like this yeah. is unacceptable. <laughs> we're not believe that. that there's a clap out to a that clown. like a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> how dare they? Yeah, so not to get super far ahead. So we uh we get the show opening and uh, we go back to the Enterprise. Nurse Chapel is handing Kirk and McCoy an autopsy report as uh, Captain Zog explains that all personnel have been brought back to the ship from the planet. And Kirk asks how Rizzo is doing, and Chapel says that he's still unconscious. So McCoy asks, he's like, well, how? what about the transfusions? And she says that they are continuing as rapidly as possible, but Rizzo's blood count is still 60% less than normal. Hold on really quick before we move on. Also, because they've had some issues with like blood in the past, would you, wouldn't you think they would have like a like a blood bank of everyone on there? Like, hey, when you get a chance, donate some blood. So if I think they do. Happens, From do what they? we kind of hear about later, like to try to solve the issue here, I, it sounds like they do have like at least some form of uh, like a stockpile of some blood. Yeah, because because she's saying she's not saying they don't have blood for him. I think she's saying that he has so, so much blood's gone that they're trying to pump it in as fast as they can, but it, but they're having issues. Yeah. If, if if I if I heard if I heard what she was saying right, so they got they got to have blood around. I'm assuming. Yeah, I I would think that they do. Well, also in the future. Shouldn't they be able to invent like synthetic blood? That's like, yeah. And do we even close. need blood in the future? Like, come on. <laughs> Are they all right in in the future? Have, like, have you just have the in... white blood. Going yeah, have we up? not evolved at all? <laughs> uh, so Kirk calls Spock on the bridge to have him hold their position in orbit, and Scotty reminds him of the rendezvous with the Yorktown. So he's the new Commodore. We got Commodore Scotty, who only cares about his <laughs> rendezvous with the, the Yorktown. Like, we got to get these vaccines to him. They they only stay good for this amount of time. Like. Wait a minute, aren't they aren't they in the freezer right now? Shouldn't they be staying good longer than eight hours? Right? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I didn't even think about how annoyed I was last episode with the Commodore and Scotty and, and Spock are doing the same thing about the whole this medicine. All episode. Thing. The whole, the whole episode. episode. I never even caught thought of it at all. It never it never bothered me this episode. Like it, like it did last episode. Scotty, there's a, a vampire cloud, and he's like, "But the rendezvous with the Yorktown, we have to get there." And then I gotta go to Starbase Ten. You know, Starbase half the time 10. the Enterprise is like a FedEx, like they're just shipping shit. Yeah. They're not really exploring the universe. Like, oh hey, we got some shit to uh, send to this planet. Take it there. Yeah, they're like yeah. part FedEx truck, part Uber. <laughs> yeah, that, they really are. He said part Uber. That's funny for the Commodores. You're right. Pretty soon they're just gonna start door dashing. <laughs> I mean, they're DoorDashing supplies, technically. They bring food everywhere, so, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Kirk uh, says to inform uh, the Yorktown that the Enterprise is going to be a little bit late. And McCoy says that the vaccines that the Yorktown is transferring to them are highly perishable. And Spock says that the medical supplies are badly needed on Theta-7. So, Kirk decides that, or, you know, he's aware that it might cost some lives on Theta-7, but they're going to stay in orbit until he finds out more about how his crew members died. So he's just like, fuck them people on that planet. That was a, we weird, um, that was a weird thing where, he, like, first time he admitted that, yeah, people there might die, but we got to take care of this first. That was the first time I've seen him make that kind of decision, like, out there like that. Yeah. Uh, I was also kind of wondering, you know, it would be bad story writing because it would make it boring because there'd be no time frame. Like, why don't you go d- drop the... The drugs off, then come back to the planet. Right. At this time, you don't know that the creature can leave the planet. Well, I, Kurt, yeah, but Kurt's paranoid though. Nowhere Kurt's going to let this creature. He's not going to leave and come back. Because by the time he leaves, and come back, the creature could be gone. And, and and he knows 
that if it's the same creature, that it, somehow it came from the other planet. So in his head, he's like, yo, if I leave right now and I come back, it might go somewhere else. So I, I know why yeah. Kurt didn't. I know why Kurt didn't want to leave the whole time. I just the fact it's it was, still weird I, for him though. It was just the first time it, he admitted, it, like, hey, you know what? Yeah, people there might die, but if we, we don't take care of this situation, people might die. So it was like, so the first time he had like a, a death and death decision. It's like, you know, how many deaths are allowed to be to do missions? First time I see something like that with him, so I thought that was interesting. I feel like that this would actually warn it probably from the higher ups, like a court martial. Like, look, you're going after a space cloud. You wouldn't deliver, you know. You know, vaccines, right? Yeah, like, yeah, we, we you're know, just, you're you know, a lot of stuff, Kirk, but this one's just on a little too far out there, <laughs> far forget, especially when he starts uh, losing love, more crew members. Yeah, Shatner, I do love Shatner's acting this episode, far forget later on. I do, I do like his acting yeah. in this episode, even though I feel like it's kind of weird for Kirk, like, Kirk felt human in this episode, like, he actually seemed like he was really worried and scared about what this creature was. Not scared, I'll say, like, anxious. What we're looking for? I mean, he was traumatized. Yeah, he was anxious. It, it was the first time we ever see him like that because I always call him Superman all the time. I would say Superman Kirk because he never seems to be worried or be like whatever that was. But this was the first time I seen like, yo, he's acting very weird, but in a good way. Like he's he's traumatized. Like something happened to him. And the first time I felt like he felt anxious. Well, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, he found know, his kryptonite or one of his kryptonite besides women. <laughs> yeah, vampire clouds. <laughs> vampire clouds. Like, I know that people say that it's kind of a meme that Shatner overacts in this series. But honestly, like, I just I don't see where people get that. Like, everybody says, like, yeah, you've got really bad in the second and third se- seasons. But I just I don't see him overacting in this. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I've been fine with him the entire time. Like, I don't know if it gets crazy in the third season. But like that whole delayed speech that people do when they do the impression of Captain Kirk. Yeah. Like I don't I don't see that from him. I think it's a, I never said it once. I think it's more like a parody thing or whatever. I think it started as a parody and I just think people stay with it. I haven't heard it one time the whole like No, like, one I, I time feel like it's just people that haven't seen this show that do that. Star base ten, here we go. Like yeah. yeah. Maybe I never when he's older all. in the movies he's kinda like that. Uh, yeah, maybe. I maybe. don't know. Which we'll we might out, have though. to watch you do the continue our podcast, you know Four years from now when we get to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm making notes for a movie, it's going to take me three months minimum for one movie. Uh, but anyway, uh, McCoy confirms that the dead men didn't have any red corpuscles in their bodies and that they didn't have any marks on them. And he says that it's medically impossible, despite all the things he's seen, he's seen up to this point. And Kirk suggests that McCoy look at the records of past similar occurrences. And he says that McCoy will find that the USS Farragut lists casualties 11 years ago from the same impossible causes, which he could just tell McCoy about everything right here, right now. But instead, he's like, now go do some research. How about (laughs) you just tell him? (laughs) Go read a book. You're you're right there. I don't know. I I, I was okay with him telling him to go read the report. I think the report has probably been more detailed than his memory from 11 years ago. Well, you can and at least I, give him like a just a, a base outline of it. And I think that uh he can already see Bones um what's that? Um like uneasiness, uneasiness with what he was about to, what he was saying. He's like, Oh, this is medically possible. Like, dude, that, that happened eleven years ago. Like, go go do yeah. research. Like open and, up. This and once file. again, all the all the shit that they've seen so far, like, would you rule anything out as as impossible at this point? There, right. Exactly. Every, everything they've did in this whole season has been scientifically impossible or next level or learning things, things like that, and they keep uh, education. So they're really stuck with this whole, you know, it can't be, in the cloud can't be what it is, but it is what it is. So, And then, I, yeah. in my brain, I thought Rizzo was going to be infected. 
I thought that he was going to the cloud. It was going to the, the cloud like was going inside of him. Yeah. So I thought that he would the cloud would go inside him, and it would go when they put him up there, and it'd be they'd be fighting the vampire in the ship. Yeah, like, I thought something similar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, the, it really went against all my norms of what I thought this episode could be. For some odd reason, I kind of agree with you, Paul. Just to jump ahead a little bit, when after the scene when Kirk is on the deck and he calls in like the new uh, security chief officer or whatever. I thought that was going to be the vampire. Me too. Because, because it, it, it does on the, him when um, he came in. It does the uh, uh, does that camera thing where it, like focus on something like dun dun dun, like in a way where it's like, hey, look at this guy, look at this guy. He's the bad. It is the yeah, bad guy. The you, way they framed it. Yeah, the way they framed it. I really thought it was a bad guy too. It's way ahead of ourselves, you know. But still. Yeah. Yeah. So McCoy says he's going to check the tapes immediately, and Kirk asks him to bring Ritzo to consciousness for a moment, and he's like, "Is it going to hurt him?" And McCoy's like, eh, "It ain't going to help." But uh, <laughs> he, he's dead either way, so I might as well wake yeah. him up. Yeah. So they go into Rizzo's room, and Chapel says that the transfusion transfusion is complete, uh, but Rizzo's pulse is and his respiration are still far below normal. So uh, McCoy asks her to administer one cc of cordrazine, and she starts to argue with it, but then she's like, "You know what? Ain't fucking worth it." And just gives him the shot, <laughs> and uh, he wakes up. And Kirk just immediately starts drilling him with questions. Yeah. And he's like, do you remember what happened to you? And Ritzo's, he's like, well, I'm just really cold. <laughs> and Kirk <laughs> asks him if he noticed an odor of any kind while he was being attacked. And he's like, Jesus, yes, your new deodorant smells nice. You've been asking us all week. Like, <laughs> like are you woke me up for that? <laughs> like, yeah, it smells good. God. Uh, so Ritzo says he remembers a strange uh, smell like being smothered in honey. And uh, Kirk asks if he felt a presence or an intelligence. And Rizzo says that the cloud was trying to draw, draw strength from them and that he felt that it was something. And then he fell, he just falls asleep, so he doesn't get to finish his sentence. Uh, McCoy says that he can't risk giving Rizzo another shot. So Kirk, is, he's fine with that. He's satisfied with what he heard. And uh, McCoy wants or warns that Rizzo was in a half-conscious state. So he's like, well, you know, he could just be telling you what he thinks you want to hear. Like, he's he's really out of it right now. Which, you and know Kirk's, what? That's a fair point on Bones, too, because that's not totally wrong either. Yeah, like, we've all seen the videos of people leaving the dentist. Like, yeah. we, we know they say <laughs> some crazy shit. They're <laughs> speaking of what or what. Now I've seen some funny videos. Hey, guys, if you go have a good time, YouTube people coming back from the dentist, it's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing entertaining. It's amazing entertaining. So just so you know. Yeah, so Kirk uh, tells McCoy to check the record tapes and give his medical analysis as quickly as possible, then he just leaves the room. And we actually stay in the room, and Chapel's like, the fuck is going on with him? And McCoy's just like, I don't know, I'm going to find out. Uh, So we go to the bridge, and Uhura tries to deliver a message from Starfleet to Kirk, but Kirk just says, basically, he doesn't care. He doesn't want to hear it. (laughs) Just really shitty of him. (laughs) Um, He tells her to have the security duty officer report to him immediately, And then he goes to Spock, who has found no readings of life forms on the planet at all. And Kirk wants to assume that it's something uh, so different that the sensors wouldn't identify it as a life form. So he's like, yeah, just, you know, start scanning for weird stuff. What they've checked for that before in the past, so Spock would be aware of that. Like, yeah, dude, I've looked for that also. Yeah, I feel like Spock would know to just look for literally anything and everything. Uh, Spock says that he has scanned for dichronium and that there's no tra- trace of it on the surface or the atmosphere of the planet. So Kirk suggests that maybe the thing may have camouflaged itself. And uh, he thinks that it's intelligent and that it knows that they're looking for it. Uh, Spock says that it would have to be able to change its molecular structure to hide from a sensor scan. And that's like gold changing itself to lead or like wood changing itself to ivory. 
Kirk says that Spock has suggested something that never occurred to him. He's like, oh, you you know, maybe you might be onto something here. He had a he eureka think, moment. Yeah, it, he says that it, it may have provided answers to the tape record that McCoy is looking at. So uh, Spock has Chekhov take over the scanner, and then uh, he leaves to join uh, Kirk as they go to McCoy. And uh, they exit the bridge. Or, or no, Spock just leaves. Uh, that's right, Kirk is still there. And uh, this is when Ensign Garavik from security reports to Kirk. And yeah, my note is like, yeah, dude, this handsome mo- motherfucker is a threat to Kirk. Like, just the way that they filmed it, <laughs> yeah. like, the way they framed him. I'm like, it, yeah, this yeah, guy. We're him become, yeah, they made him either he's a, either he's a, the newest member of the team that will be, be in the season from now on. You know, like he's a main character from now on. Or he's the bad guy. There's only two things he could be, and yeah. he was neither. And I, it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like, it, or they had some kind of history or like, I don't know, there was something that was missing from this character that should have been there. I don't know what it is. Like something well, like, well, I don't know. Well, they did have a history. He, he knew his dad. Yeah, but I thought that like, it'd be like, oh yeah, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, I, I, like, oh, I remember your, like, oh, I remember your dad. I remember you growing up. Like, like some kind of relationship with each other. Like, I thought there could have been something there that they wasted. But like, oh yeah, what's going on? Like, hey, I remember your, I remember when you were a kid, something like something to bring them together. Because the way they, he was unimportantly important this episode. You know, like he was yeah. the main part I, of the episode. I, but it, like, it, I could put one of the one of the main cast in this part and have more fun and, and it made it more entertaining. You know, I could put somebody else as his number, that guy next to him the whole time instead of this character. So I don't know, or maybe I don't know, maybe I, they owed him owed him a part or something. I don't know what it is, but I feel like this like he he's the equivalent of the guy being a captain for the one episode. Like he's just a random guy. It's like that random guy is the captain for one episode. Like that's what he's equivalent to. Because he's like I don't yeah. know why they wasted their time with him. I, I will say what would have benefited this episode more if they actually did flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have done that. Yeah, like, like it would have been. And once again, jumping ahead, but it would have been awesome to see Kirk as what a lieutenant like eleven years ago. Yeah, well, that's a great they, I think they would have had to cast a young Kirk though. I don't think they could have made him. I don't think they could have made Shatner young enough. Oh, oh yeah. like, I haven't aged since I was eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what I always look like. What do you mean? Yeah, but uh, yeah, but see, <laughs> nowadays, we, we, nowadays we care about stuff like that. But like movies about disbelief. So sometimes when you have the same character that plays the old version and a young version, sometimes you just let it go. Like, yeah. like so, right. so they could have did something so simple as I don't know, like give him a little bit of extra makeup or something to make him a little more of shiny. I don't know what the, you just know. Whatever always it was. film him from behind. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> and it could be any character they want to, because we because we don't have to. We're not worrying about the details of the face really. It's just a, it's just an actor. Like now we care about right. if they really look, look the same. Back then, just could be random actor that kind of looks like them. So yeah, so. Yeah, Garavik, uh, he approaches Kirk and introduces himself, and Kirk is like, well, hey, is your father? And Garavik just interrupts him. He's like, yes, he is. And uh, he says he doesn't expect any special treatment because of it. And Kirk says that's good because he's not going to get any special treatment on that ship. And another small thing to nitpick here, but I feel like Kirk is the kind of guy to go over his list of you know manpower on the ship. I feel like anytime someone gets assigned to the Enterprise, he's going to have it on like a log or a list, and he's going to look at their name and look at everything about them real quick. And I feel like he probably would have recognized that this guy was on his ship before now. Oh, I agree. okay. Absolutely. Like, you're telling me that the son of the greatest captain he's ever known is on his ship serving under him and he didn't know it? Oh, yeah. Okay. But th- th- was he new, though? Was he new-new? I thought it was new-new. I don't like- know. 
What, yeah, but what, still, you're going to tell me he doesn't get a report of all the people that are assigned to his ship? Like, they just throw people at a ship and don't tell him? Okay, I, I can agree with that one. Oh, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk would be uh, very anal about that. He would know every person on his ship and their back yeah, history. He, he seems like the kind of supervisor that knows everybody's name. Like, even though there's, what, like, I forget, 400-something people or something on there? Not sure. Yeah, that makes him but a good it, captain. Yeah. Well, but, uh, for the most part. But Uhura reports that Rizzo is dead, and Kirk asks Garavik if he knew Rizzo, and Garavik says that, yes, they were good friends and that they graduated the academy together. And Kirk says, well, he's going to get a crack at whatever killed Rizzo. And so Garavik is like, hell yeah, let's go. And uh, Kirk says, he tells uh, Garavik that he wants four men armed with phaser twos set for disruptor effect to meet them in the transporter room in five minutes to accompany him to the planet's surface. And Garavik is like, hell yeah, let's, you know, let's... Get that Let's going. Let's do I'm, this. Yeah, I'm ready to go down there and shoot a cloud. When you uh, mentioned that whole character, uh, him knowing who these people are, you're right, by the way. Because in my Goofy uh, episode trivia, it says Goof, character error. Of course, uh, Captain, Kirk, uh, Captain should know who the incident is, especially somebody who knows in this thing. So you're right about that. You wrote it, you, you brought yeah. it up, and then I looked at my trivia for the episode, and it was uh, it was on the notes. They said it, they, they said he shouldn't know who he was. Yeah. Uh, so a little later on the planet's surface, Garavik and Kirk are tracking a changing reading with their tricorders, and they get a dichronium reading nearby, and Kirk decides that the smart thing to do, which always works every time anybody ever does it in a movie or TV show, is they want to split the what group. They want, <laughs> they want to always, yeah. oh, hold yep. up really quick. I, I want to point out, I just wanted to pick the scene right here. The guy in the background in the red shirt who's holding the phaser has his arms crossed. You would not hold a weapon like that with your arms <laughs> crossed when it's somewhat at you. <laughs> well, it's a red that, shirt. What that, can that, we say? <laughs> that scene bothered the hell out of me. Just <laughs> someone who handles weapons from time to time. I'm like, no, yeah. you would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, I, I don't remember. I didn't look at it like that. But ho- may, hopefully, he's not standing next to someone and just pointing it at them too. <laughs> like, well, arms crossed. He sneezes and pulls the trigger. Like, oh shit, my bad. <laughs> Is that uh, Pulp yeah. Fiction? Yeah. Yep. Well, they had like a bump in the road. Yeah, yeah. Bump the road. Back went up. Yeah. So Cork, uh, he warns every warns everybody that what they're dealing with is dangerous and that they should fire full phasers if they see it. So Swenson and Bardoli go with Kirk as Garavik and his men go searching for the creature. And uh, they go and look around, Garavik and his guys do, and they see the cloud, or the, or the cloud pops up from behind them. And Garavik notices it, and he immediately starts firing. And I'm like, he did it! He, like, he has a brain! <laughs> he shot at the cloud! Uh, so Kirk hears the firing, and he and his men rush to Garavik, who is uh, just staring at the pale bodies of the two men that were with him when they get there. And we go to a commercial break. Come back, Captain's Log uh, just says that every one of the security members is in, or that one of the security members is in critical condition and the other one is dead. And uh, Kirk is now even more convinced that it's an intelligent creature of the same type that decimated the Farragut 11 years ago. And he says that McCoy and Spock are doubtful of that and they doubt his decision to stay and fight the creature. So now we're in the briefing room and uh, the big three, which is uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and uh, Garavik are all in there talking about the events that happened on the planet. And Spock starts asking some questions. And he, he asks Garavik, you know, uh, about the size of the creature. And Garavik says that it's 10 to 60 cubic meters and that it varied in size. And Spock wants to know about the composition. And Garavik says it's a gaseous cloud. 
And uh, McCoy's like, did you sense any intelligence? And Garavik's just like, like how how would I do that? And he's just yeah. like, do you think it was smart? And he's like, no, nah, I don't think it was. Uh, well, something. So Kirk asks Garavik uh, if Garavik came into contact with it. Uh, and Garavik's like, no, I was the furthest one away. And uh, he says it seemed to come out of nowhere and that it hovered for a moment before going for his men. And it was incredibly fast. And Kirk's like, well, it was hovering. And uh, you fired at it. And it's like you you heard him shooting. So, like, you you know that he fired at it. Like, that's literally the whole reason you went running there. Yeah. So, yes, he did fire at it. And uh, Garavik says that he was about 20 yards from the creature. So, Kirk is like, well, how did you fire at a large hovering target 20 yards away and miss? Which is just, like, super shitty. Like, uh, Garavik says that he didn't fire when it was hovering. And Kirk's like, well, you froze. And Garavik says, no, I didn't freeze. And so Kirk's like, well, uh, well then what were you doing? And he's like, I was checking my phone, goddammit. I got a text message. <laughs> I got a text, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, shit comes up. Uh, Garavik just says that he was startled. And, and by the time he fired, it was already moving. And uh, they ask if he has any more information, but he doesn't. And he's like, hey, sorry like for my momentary hes- hesitation. Like, I screwed up. My bad. And so uh, Kirk just relieves him of all duties and then confines him to his quarters. The, the one guy that actually shot at the damn thing and followed orders. He's like, you know what? You're too good for this. Get no, off my team. He, was, he hesitated. He didn't follow orders. That, that little momentary hesitation got us people killed, you know? Like, Yo, he got to go. He's, he's the <laughs> only Kirk, one to Kirk, actually follow orders. Kirk's kind of being a dick at this point. He well, is, yeah. I, we find out later why, like so it's justified. I mean, it's not justified, but we, we at least get a good reason why. But yes, he's being a dick. But I think it's because he's like, it's more about himself. Because he feels like he hesitated years ago and got everybody killed. And this guy did the same thing. And he's and he's pissed off at himself from what happened before. So now he's like, punish him for what he did. Oh, no, you know? I agree. But he's also projecting. Like, he, yeah, like, yeah, don't- yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, much, I mean that's yeah. that's the point of the whole thing. Like he yeah. seems like he's an asshole now, but then you get the information later, and you're like, okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's not still not cool, but at least it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Garavik leaves, and uh, McCoy defends him, but Kirk says that Garavik froze, and now one man is dead, and another one may die. Which, it, like, brother, you're responsible for so many deaths. This <laughs> 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 series, like, let's, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves here. No, uh, what's that old saying? Don't throw stones at glass houses or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spock tries to say something, but Kirk just says that they'll both be filing reports. Like Spock and Kirk are going to be filing reports, and they can make their comments and recommendations in those. And uh, we go to Garavik's scene. Or we go, we go to a scene with Garavik in his quarters and Out, he just like, lays down on his bed and starts to cry. He, he really <laughs> like, that's a really weird scene. <laughs> He's in a room crying. Good, good, and yeah. crying in the corner. Like, I want to see me cry. Like, come on, that bro. That's a really weird insert. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Once this, again. Here's the scene where you just lay down and cry. And they're focusing like, right. on this character. He has to be. like this. Whole, that's my annoyance with the episode. Like, why is he so unimportantly important? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, he would have been better if he was fucking evil. Something I don't know. They, like they followed him around to. Like I don't know. I just I don't get it. Yeah, but we go back to the bridge. Scotty tells Kirk that he's cleaned the radioactive disposal vent out on the number two impulse engine, and that they'll be ready to leave in under half an hour. And I was like, that's a really specific piece of information that he gave him, and there's no way that that will come back later. Well, and Scotty's like, <laughs> kind of like hint, hint, nudge, nudge, like, hey, uh, yeah. we're good to go. Yeah. Uh, good, good to go rendezvous with uh, the Yorktown. And Kirk says that they're not leaving that quickly. So Uhura again says that the Yorktown is asking about their rendezvous. And Kirk's just like, thank you. Star and uh, Scotty reminds him of the medicine. 
Starbase 10. says that he's aware. Starbase 10. He says he's aware of the medicine. <laughs> and uh, he's getting tired of his senior officers conspiring against him. And everybody turns around to look at him like, what the fuck did you say? We cannot, yeah, conspire. Yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah. So he apologizes. And he's like, I'm, maybe, he's like, I shouldn't have used the word conspire. And Scotty's like, you're damn right you shouldn't. <laughs> he's like, I didn't uh, sign up for this abuse. Chekhov reports no changes in the scan, and Kirk asks if he's aware that it can change his molecular structure, and Chekhov is aware of that. So he asks Chekhov if he's scanning for gaseous clouds and unusual movement, and Chekhov is scanning for that. So Chekhov says he's run a full scan twice, and Kirk gets really shitty and raises his voice and tells him to run it 20 times if that's what it takes, and now, then Brandon, he stomps out of the bridge. Now, Brandon, you being such a huge Chekhov fan, did you feel <laughs> bad for him when Kirk was grilling him? I mean, I didn't feel bad for him, but Kirk is, was still being super shitty. Like, yeah, Chekhov, Kirk, he did his job. He did fine. And Kirk's yeah. just being, you know, pissy crybaby Kirk. <laughs> so, uh, elsewhere, Spock goes to see McCoy. And uh, Spock says he needs McCoy's advice. And McCoy's like, well, in that case, I need a drink because this is nutty. And uh, Spock, does, <laughs> Spock does not understand that. He's like, I, I don't I don't get what you're saying. Whoa, 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 whoa. What now? You need my what now? Like, advice. Uh yeah. Okay, cool. And then All Spock right. clarifies and says he just needs an opinion, basically. And uh, Spock says that he does not understand human obsession, and McCoy figures that he's talking about Kirk and the creature. And so then they talk about the Farragut, and McCoy confesses that he hasn't had time to go through all... Uh, eight to ten hours of tapes because he's busy and he has a job to do, which is why Kirk should have just explained that shit in the five minutes that they were together. <laughs> nah, read. You'd be all right. He well, they don't have, uh, they don't have audiobooks in the future. He can't be doing his job. <laughs> well, he's, he's trying to keep people that have been, you know, sucked dry of their blood alive. <laughs> he doesn't have time to <laughs> read You don't have time for audio podcasts like you guys, you know? You, you don't have time for audio, apparently. Potentially classified information on there. You can't have people walking by hearing that. Yeah, they don't have that in the future. They don't have no AirPods in the future. This thing, they got headphones, man. Come on, man. <laughs> They got AirPods. No, I haven't seen any indication look, of headphones. Look, bones look really fancy walking um, around with that big ear. Your hair has that big, that big horn in the ear. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? Your hair has that big horn in the ear all the time. That's that's actually an AirPod. No, she has a headphone. She does not have headphones. <laughs> I'm just saying. If it, it, I'm saying it has a. If she can hear from it though. That's a big AirPod. Yeah, she has an yeah, ear. she has an earpiece. Yeah, special edition. Yep. Uh, Man, I'm, I'm glad we don't have those. I'm glad our earbuds yeah. are a little bit more, uh, smaller and more sophisticated. Yeah. Um, Spock says that he reads faster and that nearly half the crew of the Farragut were annihilated, including the captain named Garavik, who is the security officer's father. And he goes on to say that among the survivors of the incident was a young officer on his first deep space assignment, James T. Kirk. And I'm like, God damn. So Kirk has just been bad luck since the beginning, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he, his first assignment on the ship, and the thing gets absolutely destroyed. And then they gave him a ship. Does that mean his body count needs to go up, or is that only when uh, he's probably. a captain? No, no we, only captain. Captain. A captain. we only count captains. We only count captains. Yeah. Um, Spock suggests that McCoy study a tape, and then he just hands that tape to McCoy. And we go to Kirk's room, and he's giving a, a personal log about his reluctance to jeopardize his crew and his ship for a feeling that he can't even put into words. And he wonders if he's made a rational decision or if he's letting the horrors of the past uh, distort his judgment of the present, which was uh, pretty good that he's actually like having some time to reflect about this. But then he ultimately goes, nah, it's, it's them. They're yes, the them. ones They're that are wrong. They don't believe me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, perhaps it's that what the principal Skinner meme where he's like, <laughs> maybe everybody's right. And I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. No, they're the ones, they're that, are the ones that are wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, McCoy enters uh, Kirk's quarters, and Kirk contacts Chekhov, who has no unusual readings on his scanning report. And Kirk hangs up on Chekhov, and he tells Spock that the the creature couldn't have just vanished. So, uh, or tells McCoy, sorry, not Spock. And McCoy says that, well, sometimes they just do, and monsters come in many forms, but the greatest monster of them all is guilt. (laughs) I feel like we hit, like, you know, Sunday afternoon special here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kirk is, and Kirk's just real cold about it. He's like, just get to the point. Which, honestly, like, yeah, dude, don't, don't try to lead me to your point. Just make it. And, uh, McCoy talks about the emotional uh, stress that a young officer faces when he's under the pressure or under pressure for the first time. And Kirk says that Garavik is a, a ship command decision and that McCoy is out of his field on this. And McCoy says he wasn't talking about Garavik. He was talking about Lieutenant James T. Kirk, who was at the phaser station of the starship Farragut. And he talks about how young Kirk blamed himself. And uh, Kirk then notes that it's, he thinks that it was because he was delayed in firing the phasers. Uh, McCoy argues that it's a normal emotion. And uh, he says that Kirk was startled and delayed for a grand total of maybe two seconds. And Kirk argues that if he hadn't delayed, then they would have killed that creature. So McCoy argues that the uh, ship's executive officer didn't think that, according to the executive officer's log. And uh, he just basically says that, like, in the log, the executive officer said that, like, Kirk was, you know, honorable and brave and all that good shit. And uh, Kirk says that the creature killed 200 crewmen. Wow. So McCoy asks, yeah, got almost like half the ship. Yeah. Uh, McCoy asks if Captain Garavik was important to him, and Kirk's like, uh, yes, he was very important. Uh, he was my commanding officer from the day that I left the academy and one of the finest men I ever knew, and that's why I didn't even know that I had his son on my ship. He <laughs> meant so much to me. Uh, Kirk still thinks that uh, he could have killed it if he hadn't hesitated, and McCoy doesn't uh, says that he doesn't know that any know that any more than he knows that Garavik could have destroyed the one that day. And this is why my notes are so long, because of conversations like this. Yeah. And this is the worst part of this. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, but anyway, uh, Kirk thinks that there's an intelligence to the creature and that it's evil and it must be destroyed. Uh, McCoy says that Kirk is obsessed and he's going to destroy himself and his career. And the the young boy that reminds him of himself 11 years ago. Yep. I, I, I love how Bones Garvick. is one of the people that, you know, does do a lot of good pushback against Kirk. Yeah. Even though this and, is a lot of dialogue in here and a lot of talking back and forth, I actually enjoyed this whole scene because I enjoy yeah. their, like, I enjoy their friendship or whatever. And it's like, like, look, dude, like, at, like you're trying to be a captain. You're overstepping. Like, somebody has to tell you the truth. Like, Spot, Spot can't relate to you like I can. Like, you got to relax, chill out. Like, you got to explain to us what, what's going on. Like, we don't want to lose faith in you, but, but slowly but surely, they're starting losing faith in his ability to lead. And scenes like this are always great, but they're a, Pain in the ass to take notes for because you have to take enough notes for it to make sense, but not transcribe the entire damn thing. <laughs> and like these parts have to be boring for people to listen to. It's just me rambling on about what. No, what they, they, this they're going to listen to your voice and like, yeah, keep talking. Yeah, read that, read that dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have to hear it later. And trust me, it's a, it ain't like that. <laughs> Someone's gonna hit you up on Twitter like, no, that's our favorite part. That's our favorite yeah, part when you read that mic, dialogue. Yeah. Be, be more sultry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Kirk warns Bones not to push their friendship past the point where he has to take official action and McCoy cuts him off and he says that's not what I'm doing and it's uh, he says it's professional and that he's preparing a medical log entry on his estimation of the physical and emotional condition of a starship captain and then uh, he goes to the door like he's going to leave and he says that that report would require a witness grade or witness of command grade 
which actually I really love when Bones pulls this shit because he doesn't have the rank, but he lets Kirk know that he still does have power over him. Like, he may not be able to order him around, but as the ship's doctor, he can have him removed from his command. He's he's the one person on the ship, probably the one person on the ship that can do that. And And honestly, that's probably a good balance to have, honestly, is to have someone kind of impartial that can counterbalance the actual captain and his decisions if uh, he seems to be making bad choices. Right. Well, that's one thing about this uh, thing that I always find realistic in a way of a doctor having the power to medically make you unable to uh, fit. I always always like that. But Bones always bring, he brings it up and he mentions it. He doesn't really use it if he doesn't have like that too, but he lets know that, hey, you have to explain yeah. to me what's going on because I can if I have to. I don't want to do this, but I can let you know. Well, right. Well, and Bones is just accountable as Kirk is. Like, he has to file reports to, uh, you know, his higher-ups also. And if, you know, yeah. Kirk is doing something irrational and they're going to be like, Bones, why didn't you stop him? You're just as much in trouble as he is. Right. Yeah, I re- and good for Starfleet for, you know, putting that checks and balances in there. And good for Bones for not, not you know, abusing it. I think this is only like the second or third time in this show that we've seen him go this far, and it's been justified every time. Yep. And it always gets Kirk to listen. He's yep. always like, all right. Um, but yeah, at this point, he, you know, he talks about how he needs a witness of command grade. And then uh, Spock enters the room, and it's like, has he just been standing out there the whole time just waiting for his cue? <laughs> he got Vulcan ears on yeah. <laughs> the door. Did, like, did they talk in. about it beforehand? He's like, look, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to talk to him. He's going to get fired up. And then I'm going to tell him about the report. And I'm going to tell him that I need a witness of command grade, and then you're going to walk in. Yeah, or, <laughs> or like he's going to walk in right in the middle, middle of it rather than, yeah, like it was all, yeah. it was like it was scheduled. Like it was actually a part of the secured. Because walking out and he walked in. Yeah. yeah. Now, you br- now you bring it up. Now it makes a little, now I can see the whole, it happening exactly. Well, no, he kind of yeah. walked up as the door opened, but, he's, but I think he was standing out there. It was, it was pre-planned. Bones and Spock worked this out before, yeah. you know, he, Bones he went he specifically, in there. Specifically, like, that's the cue. He's like, when I say that I need a witness of command grade, that's when you walk, walk in. in. Like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it's like a Jerry Springer thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Spock enters the room and Kirk asks if uh, he understands correctly that both of them or either of them consider him to be unfit or incapacitated. And Spock says that Kirk has correctly phrased it as recommended in the manual. And he says that their reply is also recommended or as also recommended is as follows. And he says, sir, we have noted that in your recent re- behavior, certain items which on the surface seem unusual. We respectfully ask permission to inquire further and, but Kirk cuts him off and he's like, just forget the manual. So he's quoting like directly from the, the manual, manual what they yeah. have to do in this situation. <laughs> and Kirk's uh, like, once again, he's like, just go ahead and ask me questions. Yeah. Like, is yep. he being petty or is he just doing it just because? Like, I don't, I'm not sure what, what, where's the room? Are you doing it? You know? I, I think they're just making sure they follow protocol because I imagine like removing a captain is a very serious thing. And that if even one thing is not correct, like you probably fuck your career for that. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So like, you gotta, you have to follow the book on that one. Uh, so yeah, Kirk's just like, just ask me the damn questions. And, uh, Spock brings up the Yorktown, uh, saying that it's waiting at the rendezvous point with perishable drugs. Starbase 10. <laughs> Starbase 10. Yeah. Starbase 10. Just so you guys uh, know, Starbase 10 is going to be a running thing for me forever. I just, anytime Starbase 10, you know, just that's where we need to be at. Uh, I actually, Dan, I forgot to tell you that when I did the uh, episode announcement for the last episode, I always copied the same hashtags and it's always like, you know, Spotify, iHeart, whatever, you know, all the places you can find us on Twitter. And uh, I snuck in the hashtag of uh, Starbase 10 on that one. <laughs> just, just an element. <laughs> Um, but anyway, Kirk says he knows the facts and McCoy asks why they're delaying. And Kirk says that 
Uh, he's convinced that it's the same creature that attacked the Farragut 11 years ago. And he says 11 years ago, he could feel the intelligence of the creature as he was uh, falling unconscious. And Spock's like, how the hell can you sense intelligence? <laughs> uh, Spock notes that uh, that it happened as Kirk was losing consciousness and a semi-conscious mind is a, a tricky thing because a man never knows how much of it is real and how much of it is imagination. And uh, Kirk asks if they would say that the cloud is deadly. And McCoy's like, yeah, I would say that it is considering it's killed, you know, like four people now. And Kirk asks, well, what if the, it is the same creature from 11 years ago and that was a thousand light years away? And Spock says that if it's the same creature and if it's intelligent and capable of space travel, it would pose a great threat to inhabited planets. And Kirk's like, yeah, and those are a lot of ifs. Uh, but he says that his, uh, in his command judgment, they weigh out the, all of the other factors. And he says that intuition, however illogical, is recognized as a command prerogative, which is pretty interesting that they can make commands just based on their own intu- intuition and not, you know, based on well, having facts. You have to because, it, let's say... If you're getting attacked or whatever, and you think that the people might go left or right, then you would go right. You're like, okay, right. I think we're gonna right. Like, I think his decisions he makes are always been intuition uh, as a captain. So, I don't know. I, I mean, it makes sense to what yeah. it makes sense to what he's saying. I just hard for me to explain it out, you know. But yeah, yeah. Um, McCoy says that they're not trying to gang up on him, and Kirk's like, well, you haven't. And he says that they've expressed their uh, proper concerns and raised the proper questions. And he asks what medical log Kirk intends to make, and McCoy says that it remains open. So basically, they all just kind of made up there. Like everybody yeah. got mad, they yelled at each other, called each other names, and they're like, "Sorry, I shouldn't have gone so far with it." <laughs> yeah, like, t- told about it. Told each other exactly what they need, need to hear. Like, just give me, give me yeah. time. So Chekhov calls. Uh, he interrupts them with an update, and he says that uh, they have a reading on something leaving the planet's surface. So Kirk orders a red alert, and the three of them leave the room, and we go to a commercial break. What made me laugh is, no, Chekhov says, I have a reading on the on the what the whatever it is. It's like, you yeah. didn't have a name. He's like, I got a reading <laughs> whatever, on, yeah. yeah, whatever this thing is, I got a reading on it. Like, it's just the way yeah. he said the, oh, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, okay. We just, it made me smile for a second. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so we come back, and the Enterprise is giving chase as Kirk looks on to the viewing screen, and Scotty warns him that they can't maintain warp eight much, much longer, and pressures are approaching the critical point. So Kirk asks Chekhov for the cloud's range, and Chekhov replies that it's uh, 0.04 light years ahead, and that their phasers won't reach it, or cannot reach it. Which, which, which hold on. I, we're going to the same place. Same point. Uh, it's, phasers are light, so they should have uh, unlimited distance of reach. Yeah. And then the other thing is they can't catch the thing, but if they are traveling at their maximum speed and they fire their phasers, the phasers would be going faster than them. So they could potentially, like while they could never catch their own phasers, the phasers could potentially catch the cloud if the cloud is going slower than the phasers. And the phasers should be going light speed and, well... Is warp speed faster than light speed in Star Trek, or I don't think it is. They haven't said, but I don't think it is. I thought I thought warp like speed they have was light several speed. levels of. Well, they have several levels of warp, so they're going like light speed times eight, right now. I'm not sure. And like, well, well I'm gonna look flying, it on my phone while we're sitting talking about it. Well, back to the point about them, you know, firing while they're moving at the fastest. We again go back to Futurama. Do you remember when they? fired uh, Bender out of the torpedo tubes and they couldn't catch him because they were at maximum speed and because they propelled him faster than they were yep. going, they could never catch him. <laughs> I feel like that's they could just do that here, right? Just fire their phasers or their torpedoes 
while they're going as fast as they can. <laughs> and while they can never catch them, if the cloud was barely going faster than them, but maintaining a steady speed, I feel like their their weapons could catch that. Okay, so warp eight is 501 times faster than light speed. Oh, Jesus. No, yeah, that yeah. Was, those would be... So warp eight equals uh, 512 times light speed. Yeah, so if you fired labor, your lasers or your phasers while you're going that fast, they would be going even faster than that. Faster that's, than the speed of light. Yeah, that's how you would imagine you, it would work, right? Yeah, they you'd said, never it, see those things coming, right? Yeah. No, well, they said it was just... Um, <clears throat> that's just the issue. It's just they, they weren't really smart to intelligent-wise back then, so they kind of made up lights, the, the warp travel, and didn't think about it. But it says... Well, uh, let me tell you a secret. I'm not really smart intelligent-wise right now, so yeah, well, <laughs> it's we're fine. Smart. Okay, so... Warp one is a hundred and eighty six thousand miles per sector. Okay. Okay, so, that's slower than light speed, probably. Yeah, that that that's warp one. So yeah, that's insane. Wait, what is I don't remember what the speed of light is. Oh. We're up here learning as we're working, so let's see speed of light. Uh two hundred and ninety nine well that that can't be right. That's a really weird way of written that. Uh, hundred and eighty-six thousand miles per second. Okay, so warp one must be a light speed one, and then each time it it's faster. Oh, okay. D- damn it, I'm a podcaster, not a scientist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm barely a podcaster. <laughs> oh, the speed of light is three hundred. That wow, that is, that is um in miles. There we go. Oh, that's a great mi- oh, yeah. whole. Uh, yeah, so warp one. So warp one literally. So, so warp one literally is uh, the same speed of light. So each time okay. you get it faster, it gets up more. Yeah, so they can go faster at the speed of light. Okay. All right, but either way. Uh, <laughs> we know it now. <laughs> yeah. Spock says that uh, they're barely closing in on it and that they could be pursuing it for days at this point. So Kirk tells Scotty to do whatever he can to increase their speed. And Scotty's like, all right, I just told you we were going to blow up, but I guess we'll go faster. <laughs> this, this cloud is kind of like uh, Moby Dick. He's a, uh, what is it, Ishmael? Is, yeah. Uh, White whale, like I gotta yep. get it. I don't care how many people die. You know what? Uh, yeah. Now that you mention it, Ahab? maybe this is why this is kind of Moby Dick inspired in a way. Now that you brought it up like that, I never thought of it that way. You where, know, yeah, actually, that's a really good point. It yeah, basically is Moby it's, Dick. It's, yeah, it literally is Moby Dick. Like he, yeah, I didn't. I, and I brought it up. I kind of see it that way now. Maybe that's what the episode got inspired by. Yeah. Um. So uh, they magnify the viewing screen so they can see the big cloud, and Kirk asks Spock what his readings show, and Spock says that there's a lot of conflicting data. So he says it seems to be in a borderline state between matter and energy, with elements of both, and he thinks it could use gravitational fields for propulsion, and Kirk is like, well, do you find that to be sophisticated? And Spock (laughs) says that it's efficient, but it's not exactly proof of intelligence. He's acting like a teenager at this point, almost. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's smart, I tell you. Um, Chekhov announces that there's an open hatch on impulse engine number two, uh, the one that Scotty was cleaning up, and Kirk tells him to turn the alarm off because they won't be using impulse engines anyway, which, uh, yeah, that's not going to hurt them at all. Um, Scotty informs Kirk that they can't keep their speed without blowing up soon, so Kirk just kind of looks around at everybody. He's like, you guys which, mind if I blow us up? Which like, is also you, bullshit because if you were able to go warp a... There shouldn't be like a finite time on it without blowing up. Like if that was the case, why would you have warp eight? Like ah, oh, let's just right. stay at warp seven. Let's not risk you know ever blowing you know our ship up. Right? No, no you push it. It's like pushing your stuff to the extreme though. It's like a it, it, if, like you can keep at, like you can keep pushing an engine to a certain level, but eventually it can stall out if you give it too much power. 
But you would imagine, though, they would have built the technology to be able to handle a constant warp eight. Like, like if we go to warp nine, we're definitely screwed. But warp eight, we, oh, we're good. Yeah. Uh, maybe Scotty did some engine upgrades. Like he's just been. Uh, yeah, there, I'm going you know, to assume that the, it, it made it a little I faster. I thought he did case. actually at one point, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, so did uh, uh, Nomad, Nomad also. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Nomad fixed up their engines pretty good. Well, maybe Scotty should have been cleaning that shit earlier, and maybe uh, they would have been able to go warp eight <laughs> yeah. longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kurt, uh, Kirk just looks around at everybody, and he then decides that they're going to go down to warp six. And we go to Garavik's quarters, and Chapel has brought him some dinner. And uh, she has. She said she did it on Doctor McCoy's orders, but uh, Garavik says he's not hungry. And he asks what's happening, and she tells him that yeah, they're still chasing the cloud, and Kirk is still out of his mind, and the entire crew is about ready to explode. So that's cool. <laughs> She's just eat. really nonchalant <laughs> about it. Yeah. She's like just a normal shit. It's just uh, a normal Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Garavik talks about how he caused the issue by not firing his his phaser quickly enough, and she's like, yeah, well, how about you try some soup? <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> She uh she says that McCoy th- thought that uh you know he wouldn't want to eat and then uh she delivers an officially logged prescription in the form of a data disc that she said just says eat on it and she says that if he doesn't follow McCoy's orders uh McCoy could and possibly would have him hauled to the sick bay and fed intravenously. Uh, Which seems a little extreme because you know we don't know the last time he ate was. Yeah. <laughs> no, just but it's keep just eating. McCoy being McCoy keep though. Eating. Like I, I don't know if she's lying or not. Just like to get him to do it, but it seems like a very McCoy thing to say. Like, hey, tell him yeah. to eat, or else I'm coming there myself and I'm gonna feed him. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I well, really enjoyed that. Uh, well, she leaves there and she goes straight to the sick bay and uh, she drops a little disc with you know the prescription on it in a little bin near McCoy, and uh, he picks it up and he looks at it. And he's he's like, it's a survey of uh, Signian respiratory diseases. Like, why? Why do you have that? You're just supposed to be taking Garavik some food. And she says that she was applying psychology and then she just leaves. So, yeah, she yeah. absolutely lied. Yeah. McCoy did not, did not tell her. I, I, I didn't notice that lie part. So just now I brought it up. I didn't realize it till just now. So very close. She's just always trying to get people to eat. When when Spock was all sad, she wanted him to eat. I like I like, like Nurse Chapel. I like her a lot. Yeah. Oh, it was a solid character. Like, like she, yeah. fit, she fits in, like, especially this episode, her little moments in there fit in really good. Yeah. It's like, oh, if you're feeling sad, just have some food. It'll make you all yeah. better. <laughs> yep. Ice cream. Uh, so we go to the bridge, and Chekhov announces that the cloud has dropped to warp two. So Kirk has them reduce speed, and he wants to approach pretty slowly. And he you thinks know, that he, it may have decided to fight them, and he has. You know what would have been funny though? The cloud drops to warp two instantly. They're still going warp six, and they just fucking fly <laughs> just right fly through, through it. it. <laughs> <laughs> just destroy it. <laughs> just blow that thing all over space. So we go back to Garavik's quarters, and uh, he cubes. picks up the cloche. It's a uh, yeah. That thing, I had to look it up because I never knew what that cover over uh, food was. The big, like, bell-shaped thing. It's called a cloche. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh we're we're fancy now. deliver food. Okay. I never had food like that before yeah. in my entire life, and I've been a fancy enough place. Neither. So Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he picks up the cloche that covers his food, and he throws it at the wall, which hits a switch that changes the ventilation fi- filter from active to bypass. Oh, my which, God. First of all, I'm like, yo, don't make this so stupid. Like, that was really things. dumb to me. I understand his anger because he's like colored food shapes again. Like he just <laughs> chucks the fucking thing at the wall. So why do you have garbage? Why do you have a filtration bypass switch in your room? Yeah. Why do you want <laughs> air like dirty air filtered into your room? He's like, you know what? It's a little clean in here. Let me flip that filter off. 
You know what? Your level of intelligence went up. I never even considered that, bro. I never thought about the reason they had that. I was like, well, when it happened, I thought, and he left the room. I thought that was a waste of a thing. Why would they show that? And then yeah. later on, they come back later. I was like, oh, okay. But that's really dumb the way it happened. Like, I mean, the lower decks have it rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to just pump dirty air into your room. They, <laughs> yeah, I just don't get it. Like, you have the option. Like, he should have been the bad guy. They ruined an episode. Like everything, he he should have been the main secret bad guy the whole time. He could have hit the bypass. Like he should have been like connected to the cloud. Like they should have made him cloud connected, you know, and he be part of it. And then he could have hit the bypass as part of his like little. Uh, it, why is in the ship trying to sabotage it? Like they they, they could it could have been so good if they had made him part of the other side or whatever. They yeah. Made him affected. I just they wasted it, man. Th- I throwing. I just feel like they wasted that actor. Like you remember how good the guy on Dagger of the Mind was, the old guy that was losing his shit. It was yeah. like, man, they really wasted him on such a small role. Yeah. I feel like they wasted this guy, too. I feel like he was good enough that he could have been a regular member of the crew. Yeah. And I, I hope that we get to see him again, because I, if if he just has a one-off here, it, it was a really uh, just kind of a waste of that actor. He, yeah. he was too good for just a single part, I think. I think like it was his a waste part of was kind of dumb, but he though. was good. Yeah, his was character of, was dumb, but the guy playing it was really good. No, I'm saying I think it was a waste of an actor and a waste of a character. Like, they wasted two yeah. things. They wasted him, his acting ability, and they wasted a character that had a lot of potential. What they could have did something really good with him to make him more memorable or whatever. Yeah. And it just, and and they kept, they kept, like, it's almost like they were, like, promoting this guy or, or him for some other thing. So if we don't see him later, then I don't even know why he was even in here. So. Oh, right. yeah. Especially with all the backstory that we got with him. Yeah. yeah. I just. Yeah. Um, so he lays back down on his bed and then uh, the alarm sounds and Kirk comes over the uh, PA and orders all decks to battle stations because it is not a drill do they ever do drills probably not they, I feel like they do this enough that they don't need to have drills like every other day they're doing a real thing have, have, we, seen a, have we seen a drill yet like uh, we, we did the, the one time when he felt like they were being really inefficient and he made them just keep going oh because he was mad but other than that get the time down or whatever yeah I think yeah. I remember that yeah, they're like at ninety-seven percent. Like, ah, oh, I want at ninety-eight percent. Not good enough, son yeah. of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, and then we go back to the bridge, and Chekhov announces that uh, the cloud has come to a full stop, and Kirk orders him to move in closely at sub-light speed or sub-light one-quarter speed. So Garavik enters the bridge, and he requests permission to return to his post, but Kirk just completely ignores him and has Chekhov lock all phasers on the cloud. So uh, he then orders Chekhov to fire the phasers, and they do. But but she- they just go right through the cloud. Chekhov looked like he was really enjoying it. Like, oh, yeah, I get to fire the phasers. <laughs> <laughs> Finally my turn. <laughs> then he gets to have even more fun because Kirk, uh, Kirk orders him to fire the photon torpedoes in a spread pattern. And he's like, fuck yeah, photon, photon <laughs> torpedoes, let's go. <laughs> so uh, they fire the photon torpedoes and uh, the ship shakes with an explosion. And, uh, and then Uhura points out that the cloud is approaching and Kirk orders the deflectors up. And Spock's like, that's not going to stop that. <laughs> it's, it's a cloud, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, Chekhov announces that they have uh, five seconds to impact and all of the hashes show secure and all lights show green. And then he notices that there's a red light on and it's the number two impulse vent hatch, which Kirk yeah. told him to ignore earlier. Um The cloud enters the ship through the impulse vent and Kirk orders negative pressure on all vents. So then we cut a little bit later, and we're in a briefing room, and Scotty informs Kirk that the cloud has attacked two crewmen, and it got into the ventilation system, and now they only have enough air for two hours. So there's our, our other uh, time, time, time restriction, constraint. aside from the, the Yorktown. Yeah, but that, this time constraint, though, isn't so, uh, like, 
so implied over and over again. Like they bring, I think they bring it up here. Right. I, don't they, I don't think they bring it up again throughout the episode. It's kind of a no. They don't. Yeah. So it's not as bad. Yeah. Um. Sorry, Sten. Uh, <laughs> McCoy tells Kirk that uh, one of the men is dead and that the other one might survive, which seems to be a pattern. Every time they get attacked in twos, one of them immediately dies. The other one dies a little bit later. Um. But he he's like, yeah, Kirk, you can add that price tag to your monster hunt. <laughs> Kirk's like, that's enough. <laughs> Just like, yeah. I'm sick of this shit. And uh, McCoy tells Kirk that it's not enough. And that uh, he's like, you didn't care what happened as long as you could hang a trophy on your wall. Well, now the monster's in it. And it or is, isn't on it. And it's in the wall. Yeah. Which is uh, pretty solid. Uh Spock, uh, he just wants to move on. He's like, guys, it, it, none of this matters. Like, it's too late. You know, ifs all day, but it's in here. So we gotta we gotta work on that. Yeah, he says that the the matter is now that the creature is after them. And McCoy questions his use of the word creature, and Spock's like, yeah, uh, it turned and attacked us, and that method was was well considered and intelligent. Spock's now Team Kirk on this. Yeah, yeah, he finally saw the light, and uh. Kirk wonders why it chose to turn and attack them instead of just continue, continuing on to where it was going. And uh, he then orders Scotty to flush the radioactive waste into the ventilation system and see what uh, that does to the creature. And Scotty's face just lights up. He's like, I've always wanted to flush radioactive waste through the ventilation <laughs> system, and now I, get, now I get to do it. <laughs> He's fully on board with that. It- you you think that's kind of break, breaking some kind of like treaty to like polluting uh, space? Like, hey, don't be dumping something. radioactive material into outer I'm space. Gonna, I'm going to assume that they they're that radioactive uh, waste no matter what. And I, like, they got to have waste, right? Like, what what happens with their yeah. waste? I'm curious. Oh, they have to vent it out into space. There's, I mean, what else could they do with yeah, it? Shoot it in the sun or on whatever. A planet or, that, uh, is yeah. abandoned and has no life forms. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's yeah. some planets out there they just throw stuff on. I'm, I'm like a junk planet. Yeah, just garbage planet. Yeah. <laughs> Another Futurama reference. Yeah. I'm just making uh, stuff, dude. I don't watch Futurama, so every time I bring up somebody, I have no idea I'm referencing Futurama. I've never seen it before. I've only seen like, like one episodes to. of it. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. But uh, Scotty leaves. You know, he gets to go do his thing, and McCoy apologizes to Kirk for being wrong about the creature. And then he leaves, and uh, Spock tells Kirk that the creature has an ability to throw itself outside of time sync, which, well, hey, what the fuck? And uh, it makes it impossible for it to be, uh, or makes it possible for it to be elsewhere the instant the phaser hits. And, like, where did that even come from? Uh, like, it can throw itself out of time sync. Oh, uh, the gravity. I, I saw that just, I, I when they shot, like, the phasers and stuff, I saw it was like, I'm a cloud, so I'm just going to spread my molecules, you know. Right. I think that when they said uh, uh, Spock mentions that uh, it has to be able to uh, control gravity to be able to do what it's doing, I think it uses gravity as a time. Some with gravity, and time. there's something weird about gravity and time. I can't remember what it is. Like you know when you're in space, and they said time passes different in space than it does when you're on Earth. So maybe right. I- I'm going to assume well, that it's something weird. I can't remember what the heck heck it is. Well, it's something like when you, the closer you go to the speed of light, your time slows down, but everyone else's time speeds up. Ah, okay. I think somebody, and and then it, this and thing it, can just do that? I'm going to assume with the would it be able to control gravity. I mean, they could have just said, like, it's a fucking cloud. Our shots went right through it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we didn't, we didn't have to, you know, time sync. Not, not, like, not, 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 not Star Trek. Yeah, I was going to say, if be... it controls time, is it hit from Dragon Ball? Yeah, there's something <laughs> fighting hit, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Spock says that there's no basis for Kirk's self-recrimination and that if he had fired on time and on target 11 years ago, it wouldn't have mattered uh, any more then than it did an hour ago. 
And he says that Captain Garavik would still be dead, and it wasn't Kirk's fault because there was no fault. And Kirk says that if Spock wants to play analyst, he should go do it with somebody else. And that his ship, uh, his concern is with the ship and the crew. And then he leaves. Yeah, Kirk's like, quit trying to make me feel better. Yeah. Quit being a good friend. (laughs) Yeah, so we go to Garavik's quarters and uh, Spock enters to talk to him about his failure to fire his phaser. Like, he's just playing therapist today. And he goes in there and basically tells him, he's like, hey, you know, your hesitation, it's a a trait of human species. And it happens when you're suddenly faced with the unknown or imminent danger. Uh as Spock continues just rambling on about this, the cloud just comes through the vent and Spock notices the smell and then Garavik turns around and he notices the cloud. So Spock just grabs Garavik and like pushes him out of the room, just damn near throws him out. And then uh, he goes to try to, to turn the switch back to active, but it just snaps off, which is classic. Which is yeah, kind of kind of a good, uh, it made me laugh, smile. I'm like, yeah, old school. It just breaks. Yeah. Uh, and then he tries to cover the vent with his hands, which... The, the, his hands aren't that big. I mean, they're big. I wonder if he's trying to fill the creature. I thought maybe he's trying to fill it. He was trying to do like the mind read. I thought maybe he's trying to like fill what the creature felt like as a scientist. It looked I, like I he was sure. just trying to block it from coming in. You think? It, 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 yeah. it, it, well, it was like, awkward. It was awkward. However, you however should have grabbed like it. the pillow off the bed and like shoved it up against yeah, the vent. Yeah, like then. that really thick, uncomfortable shirt. Just take that off and jam it into the vent. <laughs> that thing ain't coming through there. <laughs> Look, only Kurt can take his shirt off. Yeah. Not allowed to. I don't know, man. I saw one of the uh, uh, the thumbnail for an upcoming episode is Kirk and Spock shirtless standing next to each other. And <laughs> oh, I don't know yeah. what the fuck is happening. <laughs> all, right, all right, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> this a fanfic made it on Paramount somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we go to a commercial break from there, and Garavik. Uh, we come back. Garavik's calling Kirk to tell him that the creature is in his cabin and it has Spock. So Kirk sends security there, and he calls a medical alert, and he tells uh, Scotty to reverse cabin pressure in Garavik's room, which is where I was like, well, if that works, like, if they can just, like, you know, suck the thing back into the vent, just a vacuum. Like, just just get out of the vacuum. It. Like, call yeah. call the ship's custodian. Like, hey, grab, you know, vacuum shock back, you know, whatever <laughs> you got. Just, let's just suck this thing up and be yeah, done with it. get it out of Man, here. that would have been an awesome way to beat the creature. Like, you just <laughs> chop back it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Um, so we get a shot uh, of the vent with the cloud coming out and uh, the the pressure pressure reversal happens and it makes the footage play in reverse so the cloud goes back in and that's all that was it was just reverse footage yeah and, uh, it's, it's, I mean it's goofy it, they've been doing it the whole it's, time it's but we give a pass it's because it's, yeah. it's a time thing yeah I mean how else would you do that shot without yeah. like CGI yeah especially for back then but honestly I, I don't yeah. mind it I, n- I never mind it no at all. god no not at all yeah um so uh, McCoy and security go to enter the room, but Kirk stops them, and he says that if they let the cloud into the ship, then a lot of people are going to die. And Garavik thinks that he uh, jammed the vent control during his temper tantrum as uh, Kirk reads a tricorder to make sure the cloud was taken away by the ventilation system reversal. Um, he's just like, I got so pissed off, and I, I threw that, that cloche and hit the switch. Um, Spock exits the room to announce that uh, the reversal pressure worked, or the reverse pressure worked, and that the vent is closed. And uh, Kirk asks Spock, he's like, like, no offense, dude, like, don't take this the wrong, wrong way, but why are you not dead? And uh, McCoy thinks that it's because of Spock's green blood. And Spock says that he's his uh, hemoglobin is based on copper and not iron. So they're kind of like, yeah, the, the creature didn't like the taste of Spock's blood. He's like, I mean, it's a weird way of saying it, but yeah, basically. That's the first time that's mentioned, by the way, too. That uh, he's, they got copper yeah. blood, not iron. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah, so we know we, we knew his blood was green. But we didn't know that uh, it's based on copper and not iron. Yeah. Uh, 
So Kirk enters uh, the room and he notices that the smell is different. And uh, he thinks he has some kind of bond with the creature and he thinks he knows something new about it. And I was just like, dude, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, he just goes in there and he just takes a sniff and he's like, ah, we're bonded now. <laughs> I, I understand you. I've been smelling you this whole time and now I understand you. And uh, Scotty then calls Kirk uh, to tell him that the creature is moving back towards the number two impulse vent and the radioactive flush may be affecting it. So Kirk has him uh, open the vent and then they go to the bridge. Kirk tells Garavik, like they, they meet in the corridor and he's like, hey, you came back to the bridge when you were not supposed to be there. And he's just like, yeah, you know, I wanted to report for duty, blah, blah, blah. And Kirk's like, well, that was very commendable. And, uh, you know, for you to come back when we were being attacked. And he asks Garavik for his military appraisal of the techniques used against the creature. And Garavik's like, well, to be honest with you, it's kind of shit. Like, you, you were not doing a great job. <laughs> so uh, he says that uh, he knows that Kirk did everything he could, but nothing works against the creature uh, that does what that one does. And Kirk's like, all right, well, what's your appraisal of uh, your own conduct on the planet? And Garavik says that he definitely delayed firing. And uh, Kirk's like, well, what if you hadn't delayed? And he says, well, there would have been no difference if you hadn't delayed. And he says that no weapon would have made any difference on the planet or 11 years ago. And then he has this kind of like sudden realization that it's okay. He he didn't make a mistake 11 years ago and it's not actually his fault anymore. <laughs> uh, he, he, so, he, he, he healed in that moment. Yeah. And uh, he tells Garavik to report to duty and then uh, he walks away and Garavik's like, thank you, Captain. I love you. I'll tell you exactly <laughs> um, what Spock just told you, but this time I'm hearing it from you, it would be different. Yeah. And, and what Spock just told me and that I didn't want to hear. Yeah. So we go to the bridge and Chekhov reports that the creature has left the ship and is nearly out of scanner range. And Spock gives its last known direction, but he says that he doesn't know where it is now. And then in one of my favorite accidental things for this uh it, it's just because of the way that we've treated this on the podcast for the last more than one year uh <laughs> kirk goes to spotty and he says hey give me all the speed you can deliver and keep it until we begin to shake apart and i'm like you, <laughs> you gotta be careful asking scotty for speed you know he's got that shit <laughs> don't be doing speed with scotty you can't handle got that captain. I, I, I'm yeah, I'm still waiting for that line to come out. I'm giving she all oh, she's got, I'm, Captain. Yeah. She can't yeah. take much more. She can't take much yeah, more. Yeah, that's got to be a season our three. Setup thing. As, uh, our setup as of Scotty as just this crazy ass like just drug user just doing all the drugs <laughs> in the world really <laughs> really paid off in, the, in that yeah. one line. Just like give me all the speed you got, yeah. brother. <laughs> like, careful, Kirk. You're going on a trip, I, my friend. I thought finally. you would never ask, Captain. <laughs> yeah. Finally, I. Uh, so Kirk, uh, he thinks he knows where the creature is going, but Spock warns that it has changed course to mislead them before. And Kirk has, uh, Chekhov set a course for the Tycho star system. And then he goes to Uhura to have her contact Starfleet in the USS Yorktown. And, uh, he tells them that they're pursuing the creature to planet four of the Tycho system. And he explains that that's the location of the attack on the Farragut 11 years ago. Spock, is, he doesn't understand what the hell's going on. So Kirk explains that the scent of the creature was different and that something in his mind said home. So again... What the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, like, maybe when when the creature tried to kill him before, they got some kind of connection, but they didn't bring that up as, like, a uh, a thing. Yeah. Like, if they, if they had made um, get the Garrett dude, if they had made him have a connection also, it would be like, oh, if he tries to kill you and you survive it, you got some kind of connection to the creature. Another, another thing he could have did. Yeah. You know, like, they, just, they, they did a lot in this episode that was just kind of... <clears throat> Just weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, but he he thinks that home is where uh, it fought the starship once before or fought a starship once before. But you ever just like be walking around and you just smell somebody and you're like, ah, it smells like they're going home. <laughs> I get it. So Kirk tells Uhura to add to the transmission that he's committing the Enterprise to the destruction of the creature and will rendezvous with the Yorktown in 48 hours. A little bit later, the Enterprise is orbiting a planet, and McCoy argues with Spock and Kirk about the time factor of the medication they're supposed to be transporting. So they are all a, a, com- a Commodore on this blessed day. Yeah. Everyone is a Commodore. Everybody's all about Starbase 10 the whole episode. Yep. Uh, Spock says that evidence indicates that the creature is there to spawn and will reproduce by fission and not into two parts, but thousands, which where the fuck did he come up with that information? <laughs> what made him think that it's going there to spawn? <laughs> like, literally, what has happened to make them believe that? There's a, there's a lot we're of just, gaps in there. Store gaps. We're missing so much information. Uh, but Kirk thinks that they can use antimatter against the creature. And Spock says that they only need one ounce and that they can drain it from the ship's engines and transport it to the planet's surface via a magnetic vacuum field. So Kirk has Garavik tell the medical storage, which is why I believe that they have a bunch of blood, uh, that he wants as much hemoplasm as they can spare in the transporter room in 15 minutes. So McCoy deduces that they're going to use the hemoplasm to attract the creature to the antimatter. And uh, Spock points out that a a matter-antimatter blast will rip away half of the planet's atmosphere, and if they're in orbit, they could be caught in the shock waves, which is real fucked up because they're like, we're just going to basically just wreck this planet. Because like, if half the planet's atmosphere disappears, that planet is fucked. That thing's yeah. not surviving that. The radiation he... from the sun is going to beat the shit out of that planet. Like that, It's going to warm up. Everything's going to die. There's probably no... even check assume... to see if there's actually life forms on this planet? I'm going to assume they scared it and just didn't tell us about it. Like they... I'm assuming they scared us didn't tell us about well, it, which I think well, What do they care? It's not like they're going to transport them somewhere. They're about to just kill them all. <laughs> no, they would transport them all right now. I think they, they would do not have them. time for that. Yes, they, do. they don't have time for that. They are not an ark. They, they got they yes, they, they are, they, that's literally their job to be the ark. They are the ark of the, of the no, whole universe put, on this thing. Put them all in the animal transportation room. <laughs> Every time somebody's <laughs> in trouble, animal transportation deck. <laughs> no, he, he he does the Drago from uh, Rocky Four. If they, if, you know, yeah, if, if he dies, if he, he dies. Die, they die. <laughs> <laughs> they die. <laughs> if they die, they die. There's no way they they figure this out because literally they just realized like Spock just warned about the atmosphere being ripped away and Kirk's like well we're going in 15 minutes <laughs> so they don't give a shit they're wrecking they, that planet he's like look we gotta sacrifice a lot of people to save the whole universe so. and, and if that planet has any moons those moons are fucked <laughs> that whole solar system is about to get fucked. So he can blow up a cloud. Hey, have as usual. He, he destroys cultures, he destroys religions, he destroys planets, atmospheres, moons. You know, it's Kurt. You know, this, this might be Star Trek Moby Dick because he sure has a vendetta yeah. in <laughs> his cloud. Now I want a, a picture of uh, Captain Kirk's face on uh, Abe Simpson when it's the picture of old man yells at cloud. <laughs> yeah. just like, put old man Kirk on there. He's just yelling at the clouds. Uh, so, uh, they said that the transporter also might not function in those conditions, and if someone is beaming up when the shockwave hits, they might lose that person, which there's no way that's coming back. Uh, Kirk says that that's why he's decided to set the trap himself. Uh, Spock volunteers to go since there's little hemoglobin in his green blood and the creature will do little harm to him, and that actually makes the most sense. And plus, if anybody could fight a cloud, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Spock. He already showed he could. Already showed that he could. Yeah. And, uh... Kirk refuses because he says he's going to need Spock on the ship forming a backup plan in case they fail. 
And Spock points out that they're going to need two people to transport the antimatter unit. And of course, Garovic volunteers. So Kirk's like, yeah, I had you in mind, which is like his way of saying, hey, there's a very high chance I'm going to die and I was going to take you with me. Yeah. So just, just a heads up. I was always going to bring you with me. Um, we go a little bit later and Kirk and Garovic beam down to the planet with the antimatter device and uh, hemoplasm. And uh, he has Enterprise go to maximum orbit, which I really like their little floating uh, device thing here. And I don't know how they did that. It's pretty cool, though. For, for the time, yeah. Um, then we just, we go a little bit later from there, and Kirk and Garavik are walking around with the antimatter bomb as Garavik points out that less than one ounce of it is more powerful than 10,000 cobalt bombs. And Kirk just makes his offhand comment, like, yeah, hopefully, you know, humanity doesn't ever get any more stronger, you know, than we are now. Yeah. Any more stronger. I'm, I am good talk. <laughs> um, Kirk uh, senses something. Uh, his spidey sense goes off, and he takes the detonator and puts it on the antimatter thing and arms it. And he calls the Enterprise to update them and, and tell them to get ready for when the creature is baited. And then uh, Garavik points out that the creature is approaching the hemoplasm, which is in this really big jar. And I was like, how is it going to open that jar? Like, it ain't got no arms. Yeah. It just phases right through it. But he, yeah, he, so- here's one of the biggest problems with the scene right here that I have with the whole episode. So they got an antimatter bomb. And instead of just beaming up right now and detonating where they're like a hundred yards away from the cloud. Yeah. They don't do that. You got a freaking antimatter bomb that you said you're going to destroy half the planet with. All they yeah, had why to does say it have to was be on the bomb. All they yeah, had to why, say why was uh, radio on the cloud. All they had to say was radio interference won't allow them to do it. Somebody has to do it manually. All, all, all but all you can do, do it manually. Is it what? No, no. Like, that, I mean, hey, that's what they should. That's what they should have said. Something. right away. Yeah, it, it didn't make it, it. It made a little bit of weird sense. Or, or right. you could put like a like. Obviously, they have you know lasers that they could have sh- shot from the Enterprise at the antimatter bomb to blow it up. Yeah. Like, hey, beam us up. I want to do that. Cloud wasn't going to escape when I was drinking that blood. If I would have been in charge of of this episode, if I would have written this episode, I would have said that they were going to remote detonate it. And then they ended up not doing it. And then the president said, screw it, we're going to remote detonate it. And then they ended up <laughs> shutting it down. But they damaged the remote. They've damaged their ability to detonate yes. uh, from remote. So somebody has to stay behind. And yes. then they draw straws. Yes. And then one guy was going to go. But then Harry Stamper, that yes. motherfucker, <laughs> decides that he's going to go himself. Him yes. <laughs> yep. And he. Yep, he goes down and detonates the bomb himself. This exactly it, you know, is what I had want an Armageddon to reference. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> like, throw that in there. My quick rant is: I cannot believe like if they would have killed this character here, I would have liked this episode better. It, oh, it, it would have been better. Yeah, yeah. And like if he if he hit Kurt, said beam us up, beam Kurt out, and went on there, hit the button, and sacrificed himself for everything. I'm like, you know what? This whole episode makes sense because you you meet a character or whatever, and then then he sacrificed himself and you respect the the effort but like he you know in the minute they get the fight going on it's just you know more annoying stuff yeah i think even had he not been killed but they he detonates it they transport him up the last second but the shockwave fucks everything up they lose him the transport they don't get him back and then they encounter him again later in the series and he has somehow put himself back together as a godlike being (laughs) and they call him they call him dr manhattan Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that would have been the route to go um, but anyway, yeah, the, the creature quickly, uh, drains the hemoglobin and, uh, or the hemoplasm and Kirk decides to use something else for bait. 
and he tells Garavik to go back to the ship and to tell them to prepare to detonate. And he orders Garavik. He he orders Garavik, but Garavik just fucking chops him in the back of the neck. <laughs> yes. like, order this, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it would have if he it would have worked better if he would have said Jito chop. Yeah, it would have knocked him out for sure. Um, they have a just a real short little fight, and Kirk very quickly wins that. And, I, I uh, love how Kirk just got up and just decked him in the face. Yeah, just beat the He's like, <laughs> he are you serious about that? Like, 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 yeah. Just what fucking a cool, chopped him and he gets cool up scene. like, what is this? But man, why couldn't he die? I mean, I, I hate the rich for that, but like, after you do that, you have to die. You have to do, you have yeah. to be like, run up and just run into a sacrifice yourself immediately. Yeah, just, knock out Kirk, uh, call the Enterprise, say, hey, he's been rendered unconscious, beam him up, and then just, just destroy the thing yourself. Yep. Yeah. But instead, he gets beat up. And uh, Kirk tells Garavik that this is not the time for heroics. And uh, I noticed that when uh, like Kirk basically like pushes him up against this big uh, rock boulder, like this big it boulder, moves. and the whole yeah, the whole boulder shifted. I, did, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, like the base of the boulder shifted. Kirk's just real damn strong, is all it is. Um, so Kirk says that he has no intention of sacrificing himself, and he calls Spock and tells him to lock onto them, and that it's going to be real close. So the cloud approaches as Garavik says that the that. It smells of uh, honey sweet. <laughs> like they're gonna, they're getting ready to blow up an antimatter bomb, and he's like, "Hey, that thing smells pretty sweet." <laughs> and, uh, it smells like honey. The cloud reaches the the antimatter, and uh, Kirk tells Spock to energize them and detonate. So they get beamed out just as the uh, explosion happens, and we go to the Enterprise, and they're having a lot of trouble getting Kirk and Garavik back up uh, to the transporter as the ship just kind of rocks around from the shock waves of the explosion, and uh, they do a little bit of work and. Uh, Spock has them try, you know, these different like frequencies or whatever, and they end up getting them onto the Enterprise, and uh, everything's good. Um, but I wondered, like, what what would that be like for them if they're stuck? Because like they are, they confirmed, and they even said it again in this scene. Like McCoy makes note of how like oh, that's a hell of a way to travel. Like you're just, you know, ripping somebody's molecules apart and then putting them back together. So do you think that when they are having trouble being transported, do they notice it, or is it just an instant for them? I'm not sure. Uh, isn't there? Has it been this uh, in my head? Was there a transporter creature that came through them one time when they transported, like a little worm that was a bad guy, or was that a different something else? I watched? yes, no, no, that that was uh, that was in like season one, I believe. Okay, so I'm as okay, so I'm assuming there's something in, there has to be, there's something in between that world. So I don't know how fast it. I wonder if it's like I I thought that somebody when they got transferred before and it went bad, they actually said it. They actually could feel it took a while. I'm not sure. I don't think we had I, a creature transported I, through on accident. We had I, I, Kirk get split into two Kirks. I don't know. I, I remember, I don't know if this show or not, but I remember like somebody got transported and when they got transported, a creature came with them. Like like they got they got delayed transport and the creature came because they, when they transported, it was like in like a different like uh, phase. Another person did, I think. Didn't this? I can't, I can't remember. Such a, I got I got to look oh, it up. Oh, right yeah, that sounds so familiar. I, yeah. Well, that, the, or are we thinking the delayed of transport the, was when Kirk got split into two because like the regular or like good Kirk came through and everybody's like, oh, cool, and then they they're like, yeah, we had trouble getting you through, and then everybody left, and then bad Kirk came through right afterwards. I think. Yeah. I, I don't uh, know. Paul, I just, are you thinking? Are you I thinking of uh, the Orville? Because that sounds so familiar. Maybe maybe it's Orville. I watch I watch Orville I watched Orville which is actually like a parody this was amazing but yeah maybe it's Orville I just know that one in my head so I know that there's a a, a time between the transportion so transportion while transporting well so I don't know I mean your your question is pretty good I'm I'm curious myself how they feel I just thought that maybe they should have like passed out 
like after the transport, they should hit Something, the ground. Yeah. Like 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 they got, they were, got hurt and wanted to go transport. I thought it might be a good way to show it, but they came through. And also, yeah. they weren't even in the same positions when they transported. No, yeah, I noticed that. So it's like, yeah, it was it was kind of weird. They're usually really good about that, but it was yeah. it was off this time. Yeah, really weird. Um, yeah, after just a real quick joke about Spock being the one to thank for get them through, uh, Kirk has Chekhov laying a course to rendezvous with the Yorktown. And then uh, as they're all getting ready to leave, he asks Garavik to stop by his quarters later so he can tell him stories about his father. And Garavik's just like, yeah, like that, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to do that. Like, sounds really good. And then uh, they just they continue on to their journey and uh, the end of this episode. But they, uh, they, 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 they show the planet, though, really quick of the damage from the antimatter bomb. Did they? Because I missed that. Like, there's like a big crater. Oh, Oh shit! I'm gonna have to go back and look. I missed it somehow. Yeah, that may be our the final scene. Hmm. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't it was the final myself. scene as the Enterprise like flew off. Oh yeah, I think usually at that time I just kind of check out because it's usually just the Enterprise flying. See, I'll go back and look at that because that'll be interesting to see. But Paul, I know you're dying to tell us how you feel about this episode. Listen, I don't know why I enjoyed it so much. I have no idea. Like. I hated everything about it, but I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> like I hated so much about it, but I did. I hated so much about it. Like I, they did everything so wrong, but I really enjoyed it. I just I cannot believe they wasted this character. Like what a good like what a good acting job by him. What a good what a waste of a great character. Maybe we're gonna find out that he comes back later and he's a bigger deal and stuff like that. But that kind of that kind of annoyed me that wasted this whole character. I mean, I'm not gonna go on a super big rant, but. I was I was waiting for Dracula. I was waiting to be like a yeah. very like like Cloud someone turned to a Dracula type character. And it, from my brain, I was like, well, it's either blonde woman because it's Kurt, <laughs> or it's some got some over act some actor that's over the top like old school uh, vampire like trans um, Transylvania type character. I thought it's only they could do, and they never did that. And uh, you know, I just for the episode itself had a lot of good in it that but it had a real lot of bad i just think the episode this could have been amazing if they had just tweaked a lot of stuff so overall this episode's about six or seven i would i would never skip it because i actually i i laughed a lot and i i enjoyed it because it was just so corny and goofy i just i was i was just nitpicky i'm nitpicky about some things i just felt like they wasted some time so you know overall it's about seven or eight not about six nah, six seven somewhere in there not not terrible not great just you know just good not bad yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it too. It's it's a weak point, but in a season that's had so many high points, like I guess you know you can't maintain that forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, just a few tweaks and it could be good. I didn't I didn't think it was terrible. Just there's it it needed you know a little more time being written, <laughs> so we were missing a lot of key information and shit they just kind of threw together for no reason. They had a lot of they have too many ideas for this episode, like too much stuff that they didn't flesh out. So yeah, not not the greatest one, but. Uh, certainly not. Uh, it's it's not. You know, didn't have mud in it, so that's cool. <laughs> like, uh, like, like last couple of episodes, episodes have been amazing too. We've been hitting. They've been on fire lately, so we give you a pass for this one. Yeah, but Dan, I I, I have to agree with you guys. Uh, on on your points, uh, not really much left to be said about, you know, what they could have done in the episode. Just a few tweaks here and there would have made this episode like. A solid nine or a ten. Yeah, as I was saying, it was so close. Like it was, just, it was just the real stuff. Like, man, like no way. Like no, one like annoyance, two annoyance. Like it was if so they would have done like flashbacks, or if they would have made the security guard somehow tied to the cloud, like he was a cloud himself, or, like he like infiltrated like the ship and took over, you know, his body. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Just something along those lines would have made this episode so much better. But yeah, I, I would rate around, you know, six or seven. I want to skip it, but it's not one of their stronger episodes either. So yeah, definitely. It's definitely worthwhile watching. All right. Well, uh, with that, next episode we're going to do is not going to be next week. Hopefully the week after. It's uh, season two, episode 14, which we are officially halfway through the season. We made it. Um, uh, the next one is Wolf in the Fold. Uh, oh, man. You're going like, to like this one right here. Scotty's implicated in a Jack the Ripper style murder. Oh, my goodness. This is my favorite. <laughs> our boy, he did it. Our, he our did boy it. Scotty is doing some shady <laughs> oh, stuff. Man, he's, he did it. Yeah. He's hopped up on drugs and he's murdering some people, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this might be a good one. Yep, he did it. Oh, um, my goodness. Not to jump ahead on these, but... Man, when I was looking at some of the uh, the stills from the upcoming episodes, like, you know, just their cover image. God, within the next few, we've got like one of them is Spock. Uh, looks like he's a 30s or 40s gangster and he's holding a uh, Thompson and pointing it at somebody. It's funny because that's the oh, episode. That's I see a pool a hall. One. On my on mine, I see a, that, that is a pool hall episode on mine. OK. And then I have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a really that has to be a fan fiction. It's it's Kirk and Spock standing shirtless next to each other, and it's called <laughs> Patterns of Force. There's no Whoa. way that's real. That can't be. Yeah, well, yeah, it's made because on mine it's just, it shows Kirk shirtless with look like Nazi guys around him. Oh God! And then like I know we don't. I I shouldn't be looking ahead at these, but I'm just excited for a lot of these. Like there's one that looks like there's some kind of war or at least a big fight going on. There's one that I'm pretty sure is the Candyman talking to uh uh Kurt, or, yeah what is that uh, the candy man that's a movie yeah, right yeah it's, no, it's a, yeah and it's yeah, candy uh, man, yeah. a song jumped in my head though when he said i'm like oh the candy man can i'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the actor looks a yeah. lot like him in the screenshot anyway and then uh yeah some more uh, of like tony Kurt and uh, spock and and just regular uh clothes what's his name uh tony todd tony todd let's see if he was uh i'm just gonna look it up right now uh, I think he was. Well, he was on the Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, so maybe that's not him. But uh, but anyway, yeah, that's um. I don't have anything else for this one. Do you guys have anything else for this one? Uh, no. Before we're out, uh, I thank you guys for being part of the crew. Really enjoy you guys. We're getting close to uh maybe ten thousand downloads by now or something. I don't know. We're getting we're getting pretty pretty close to being up there. Um, I thank you guys for listening to us. We really enjoy it. Um, we just three guys, you know, to like to hang out together. So we figure we do Star Trek, and you guys are, you know, with us, and we appreciate all you guys. Um, you know, thank you for being part of the crew. Thank you for our day ones. Uh, if you are day one, you know, we went through a lot of learn learning uh, learning issues with the sound, the mics, or whatever. So if you made it through the first like first group episodes with us, while we try to figure things out, we know you really enjoyed the way we matured and got better. So uh, we appreciate all you guys, and uh, thank you for being part of the crew. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace out.